0: I'm actually like so excited to be speaking with you about this because um we've talked quite a bit about this over the last couple weeks and since i met you we're doing this course called unapologetic masculine leadership
1: yes we are
0: yeah and i want to i want to kind of show people and talk about what that means not only in terms of how we see it but um how it kind of corresponds to how people think about men and mankind and and uh, men and women's relationships in the world today, because it feels like right now, and I'm not sure if you feel the same, but it feels like right now this is a real mess that we we have these narratives about men and like you know things like toxic masculinity and male privilege and things like this that are actually very disparaging, especially of young men. And mm. it's something that's really uh, it really bothers me, and it's something I want to do something about.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of that has come out of. A genuine need to reform some things about how, how we view people's roles and what people are, are have permission to do, whether they're male or female, whether it's in the you know in the household. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about the university system uh, through through different career choices. You know, having you know coming from the military, you know, it's it's more stark there where. Up until very recently, uh, there were a lot of jobs and kind of the the executive level jobs, the, or the jobs that got you to the executive suite, that were closed for for women. And so now we're so we're looking at this and we're saying, hey, we gotta we gotta make some changes. But I think we've we've kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater, you know. And mm-hmm. so we're making it, we're giving people permission. To kind of create this social change and to be who they are, to really step out and be who they are and who they want to be, but at the same time we've kind of villainized uh, the old way, which then gets transferred to, like you said, the young men and you know these things about you know toxic toxic masculinity and these other mm. things. So, yeah, right. It's, things it's, it's, right, because
0: it's kind of like we in the last um, sort of a hundred years is in sort of the broad sense, we've sort of realized how little we, how essentially like undervalued and underutilized women are in the, not only in the world economy, but like the skills that they bring that we've, we've kind of pulled the whole cloth off of that one. And where I think we've gotten further now than we've ever been as a society in basically recognizing the potential of women and allowing women into positions that they are, uh, qualified for and that they can do um but yeah i agree with that that saying like it, you were throwing the baby out with the bathwater, where it's like okay so we've taken what women can do and we've said okay women you can go into all of these things that you are capable of doing like let's just let's just stop all of the useless pointless discrimination and wasting of talent and value um but then what we've done is for men we've been like you're you're pretty much you know where you're supposed to be, or maybe we need to take you down a peg or something, rather than recognizing that, okay, so women uh, have opened up their opportunities in traditionally male-dominated areas, but we haven't done the same thing for men where we said, okay, well, now let's open up some more choices for you. So the choice for men is still... Uh, go out, earn a good living for your family. And if you can't do that, or if maybe like the, the woman in your house is making more money than you, then it's like men feel like their value is being completely uh, degraded. and I, I don't know what really to do about that.
1: Yeah, I really talk, you know, what you're hitting on is, is that we measure value. In this post-industrial world, we measure value based on fiscal you know, kind of monetary returns, when really there's so many different returns so many different ways that we can measure value and so if we're talking about honoring uh, mothers you know or honoring um, fathers but those those are positions those are really difficult and important jobs that build communities that are that don't have a nine to five I clocked in somebody outside paid me this industrial, you know, model of, you know, we're working in a factory to create grownups or to create a community, (laughs) to create society, you know, so we've thrown that out. And, and now, um, now the only thing that we measure as a value is how much money do you make? And then what that gets us into a competition of this zero sum game of how, look, you know, there's, there's income inequality between males and females, or, you know, this group and that group. Well, what it also does is it is it basically throws away and makes it not okay for people, whether male or female, to be community builders and care providers and raising the next generation. That's not acceptable either. And so what I think what I I think that together, what we're really gonna get after in this in this series is giving people permission to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And and so now for the past, like you hit on for the last hundred years not been you know we've finally kind of woken up and we said oh this is kind of you're kind of in a position of slavery here you know you kind of you don't have choices to now we're better got a long way to go when it comes to to equality and women's rights and just but rights of people at the same time do you do you or i have the right to define ourselves as a father only and to Mm -hmm. not be in the marketplace where we're getting paid know what if that's what we want to do so how do we how do we find value in that and then Mm. also if if a woman wants to go to ranger school and go be an infantry officer why should we say no as long as you know we're all like it's not a zero-sum game we need more ranger qualified infantry officers you know so i don't know why anybody have a problem with that at the same time it shouldn't be bad to be a male that's a ranger qualified infantry officer, you know? So you you, can't, you can't say that it's bad to, you know, that women should be able to do these things, but these things are inherently toxic, bad male, you know? Right. So it sounds
0: like we have some different expectations of men and women. And I experienced this a lot when I was teaching in kindergartens in Japan. Um, So it's very, uh, in Japan, it's not as unusual for foreign people to be teaching in kindergartens, but it's definitely uncommon. Uh, in general. So Japanese men don't tend to, to teach in kindergartens here. And a- around the world, kindergarten teachers are something like 93% women.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, and that I'm sure that we can have a long discussion about whether that's, you know, uh, some holdover from history or whether that's just uh, the n- nature of nurture. But for me, like that was a really natural thing to do. I loved taking care of kids. It was really, really great for me. And uh, I think it taught me a lot about who I want to be, what kind of guy I want to be. But at the same time, there was definitely different expectations of what I should be doing as a guy, as a, a man teaching children. And so often um, the decisions would be referred or deferred to um, women, female teachers. And they'd be like, oh, no, no, it's okay. We know what we're doing. You don't know what you're doing because you're a guy. And it's like, well, I'm a, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, well, I'm a qualified kindergarten teacher. You know, I've, I'm I trained in Montessori method. Like I'm... I can do this, and I've been doing this, and it's also my job. So, like, that, that was really uh, surprising for me that, um, you know, despite the resistance, and, and even from people who were very feminist in their attitudes and said, like, women can do everything that men can do, but it's like, but men can't do everything that women can do. Like, you're, weird, you're not allowed. And so um, I wonder, like, what's your take on what are some of the different expectations that society puts on men as opposed to on women that maybe women aren't aware of?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's powerful, especially the the kindergarten teacher thing. And then within your, within that community you were in, that you were experiencing what a lot of people, a lot of women experience when they're going into these male dominated, you know, workplaces of like, no, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. You know, you're just, you know, you're just kind of an anomaly, you know, like, so, right. so we've got to have that empathy and see that. But I'd say at the same time, you know, it's good that you're, that you know, that you want to you know that, that it resonates with you to to be a kindergarten teacher and that 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 feels right it resonated with me to be a father you know father of three i loved raising my kids mm-hmm. in as much time as i had but i don't feel like i had permission to be a just a father you know or and or to be providing that service to society so i feel like and where you know when i was cutting you know this is coming up there's no as we're bringing up the next generation. I didn't have that permission to be like, no, yeah, my wife works and I'm, you know, I stay at home. I think now it's getting better. The flip side of all that is I'd say that while I enjoyed it, I definitely approached raising children differently than my wife did. And so she brought some great things to that. And I brought some great things to that. And so is either one better Maybe I mean you know, if you ask me, it's she's a better mom than I am a father. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, she's in the next room, so I'm sure. I, I hope she heard you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but we, But when it comes to just being, uh, you know, when we're just talking, not not on a case by case basis, but in terms of just in general, philosophically, is it more important, or is it more okay for you to be a mother than it is for you to be a father? I think that those are some questions that we've got to ask. And, and if we can't answer those, just like you're saying, if we can't answer those in an equal way, then how are we going to get to the point where, where uh, our decisions are gender neutral in a workplace? And then once we start from, once we kind of baseline that out, where whatever is calling to you, whatever resonates for you, you should be allowed to do, you shouldn't be held back because of your gender. That's when we can get to the next level, which I hope we really, I think we're really gonna hit on in this course yeah. of identifying, okay, we're past all this equal, unequal, we're past that, Right. how do we get to the next level and honor people for what their inherent, natural, authentic skills are? You're not putting on this, oh, I'm a man show Right. And you're not acting in this very feminine way when you're in traditional like caretaking roles, when you're in, in old thought ways of what, of what females should do. You don't have to turn into a woman. You can be a man. You can be masculine and be providing care and mm. be helping, helping other people.
0: Yeah. And I think that's actually a lot better for people, especially in uh, using the same example, like l- looking after children and being kind of like a, I think what Warren Farrell would call like a, a, um, a father warrior, right? It's like, you're not becoming like as a father, you're not becoming a mother somehow. You're not trying to pretend to be a mum. You are a father and there are so many qualities and, and values that you can bring to that job. And that, that I think, being authentic to that position really actually helps the children a lot more than trying to pretend to be something you're not. Um, and I, I, this is definitely um, a part of the course and, and something that I've written about and uh, talked about a lot is that being authentic to who you are, is actually the best way of doing these things anyway. um, There's this great book that I read when I was uh, uh, a couple of years into teaching called um, The Courage to Teach by uh, Parker J. Palmer. And I I loved this book because what it talked about was about being authentic to who you are. And as a teacher, I, you know, there are lots of teachers I look up to, like I really love the the messages of people like Martin Luther King. I had a fantastic teacher in my school, Mr. Jones, who was uh, a Christian. And I'm not Christian at all, and I, but somehow his his way of teaching resonated with me so much, but I can't copy those people. I can't be them as a teacher or as a as a, a friend as a caregiver or whatever it is. I can't just be them because I'm not, but I can right people exactly people see through it, and it will feel inauthentic and it will feel like i'm being, like you're being scammed or like you're being tricked, but if you're authentic to who you are people People can feel that people, there's an energy about that. And I don't know how to describe that, but that's something that I really want to help people find is to find their energy and whether it's masculine or feminine, like we, we talked about this as well as like, you're a soldier and I'm a teacher. And we're kind of like at opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of like what traditional masculine roles would look like and traditional feminine roles would look like, but we can both bring our own unique flavor to those parts of what we do and i think you know the way uh, and i've seen you with your kids and i've seen like how uh how nurturing you are with them even though you're like externally like this you know rock hard soldier guy and i think bringing all parts of that like the the masculine side and the feminine side like you can you can define that for yourself
1: yeah absolutely yeah we don't we don't want to we don't want to put ourselves in boxes as men we don't want to be putting women in boxes and we don't Mm -hmm. want. The opposite to happen. Yeah,
0: we're done with stereotypes.
1: Let's get done with the stereotypes and find out who we truly are on the inside, and that way we can all be the best, our best selves. I, I love your your the warrior father uh, yeah. comment you made there because I think definitely we're going to be trying to get people to try on different archetypes of like, are you a warrior? Are you the king? You know, what are you? You know, like try it out, see how it feels. And, and think about where that's resonated with you. So I think that archetypal leadership model that Ina, you know, like really focuses on is something I'm looking forward to, to exploring with different, different fellows, everybody yeah. in the group or who, you know, or ladies, you know, because this is, not, this is not an exclusive club. You know, this is definitely training for whoever feels compelled to do it. You know, age, gender, doesn't matter.
0: Right. right and um in that in that circle so we've got the it's like the the child the yeah. um the lover or the soldier and then like the the king and the wise man and yeah. i feel i feel like when i'm talking I, i've cuz i've taught kindergarten i'm teaching uh, international high school now and i felt like when i was teaching kindergarten i was i was full on in that child phase i was just i was goofy and silly and playful and and i loved it and it's really uh it, it's not something like the because I think we judge ourselves for doing this, especially for men. I'm not sure if there's a different expectation for men and women, but in my experience as a man, like I often looked at myself doing that, and I had this kind of instinctual feeling uh, that you know you need to be a grown up, you need to be a a man, right? Like uh, you you can't be like a uh, you know being silly and goofy all the time. Um, you gotta you gotta grow Forever.
1: up. Ever. That's not up. Op- mm. That's not okay. Ever to go into this yeah. childlike phase of all right, teach me, you know, somebody that has mm. something to give. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to s- stop being some stereotype that I'm not. And I'm or gonna like pretending
0: play. that I know everything or pretending that I'm, I'm you know, the best at this or something.
1: Or that I can never have fun. I can never be goofy. or never want to, you know, want to let different emotions show. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You know, we can't. And I think that, another problem with that hey be like a grown up it's like well what does that even mean and where in this post-industrialized world are the rituals that that tell us you are now a man you are now a grown up you're now an adult you know and 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 how have we is it authorization to utilize a motor vehicle? Like, is that, is that what we're really going to say? Is, is like our Well, it used
0: to be, right? Once you got a it, car, it's like, you're gone. You're in the wind.
1: <laughs> yeah, and think about what that really is saying. You know, everybody at the same time, you know, just take this thing. And now you can define yourself as a grown-up because you have access to a thing. You know, or in America, I know it's not the same in Europe but uh or really the rest of the world but in america the alcohol is a big thing because it's 21 yeah. and it's this big taboo that we've got and from the last, a, that's the last the last boundary yeah and it's like okay now now you're now you're a grown-up and then oftentimes you start acting more like a kid once you start <laughs> once you have access to <laughs> illegal alcohol so it's one of these yeah. things like what's going on here uh um,
0: right
1: you know and there's some traditions where it's like hey it's 13 you're a man, mm. your you know?
0: Yeah, like amazing. with uh, with Jewish families, it's 13 and you, you have that uh, the bar mitzvah and, and you're there. And I, I wonder like how much we've deferred growing up. And and in a sense, we've made it so that it's this blended experience, right? So we've got school until you're 18, but now you've also got to go to college. Maybe you go to graduate school or you don't you go into training in your 20s. And it's like, you could be 25 years old and still kind of be a child in the mm-hmm. sense that you haven't taken responsibility for your life, and that's a big part of uh, the the early parts of our course, which is taking responsibility for yourself and taking responsibility for for others, um, is that it's you're not just going through the motions, you're not just getting to you know whatever it is seven uh, is it seventeen in America to drive a car or something like sixteen.
1: 16. Yeah, seven,
0: 17 in the UK. So it's like, you're not just getting to the point like, okay, now I can drive a car so I'm at the next step. It's like, you've got to take responsibility for yourself. You've got to take responsibility for being an adult when you need to be. And then also going back and kind of back and forth between those roles, like being a uh, the strong adult who's going to lead and who's going to take charge of other people and who's going to take responsibility for the people that they're looking after. And then you gotta go back to that child phase where you're like, okay, I, I don't know what I need to know. And so I'm ready to learn. And then look up to other leaders. Like being a leader is not just about being the guy in charge all the time. You also have to be ready to let other people lead when, when it helps you and when it helps
1: everyone. The best leaders I've ever known are ones that are authentically themselves, extremely own their, uh, everything within their responsibility. And when they're in charge, they take charge. And when somebody else is in charge, they let them lead and support them. Mm. Yeah, so I, I couldn't agree more.
0: I'm curious, who's the, who is the leader that you're thinking of when you have that, that image in your head?
1: Uh, Brigadier General Colin Tooley, United States Army. He wow. was my battalion commander when I was a company commander. And so if you were to you know, there's plenty of books on leadership, but definitely if, you know, somebody wanted to create an archetype of leadership in that career, in that profession, mm. that would definitely be uh, a good model to follow.
0: Wow. That's so interesting. Cause the, I, I feel like we have all of these models in our head of like who good leaders are. And the thing is that we get to define that for ourselves. We get to choose what kind of leader we're going to be. And, um, and I feel like even in we we have like these big scale leaders like the the sort of world leaders that we look at, but not everyone uh, is is set up to do that, and not everyone is w- who wants to do that. Not everybody uh, has a a calling to be like a president or like lead a company, but we can all lead in our own ways in our families, with our communities. We can all be leaders in that sense. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Now, what kind of
0: values are we? Sorry, I, I cut you off there. What what kind of values do you think um, are things that we're looking for, or that the society looks for in male leaders?
1: I think they they're looking for strength, which can be um, misinterpreted, oftentimes to this kind of uh, you know kind of John Wayne persona of not having feelings and and just is a physical manifestation and kind mm-hmm. of a hardness to personality and physicality. And, uh, but what I, I, when I think about strength, I think some of the, the, the strongest people I know are, or that I know of, have, are strong in their convictions and strong in their moral character. You think of, uh, you know, St. Teresa of Calcutta, you know, that was not a physically strong person but she was an extremely strong leader. Mm. Uh, and, and so, you know, so I think, I think that that's sort of like, you need somebody that's a rock. You need somebody that is strong is definitely something that, that, that is one of the main values that's embodied in, in masculine leadership that people are looking for. And sometimes you see leaders that are feminine trying to emulate that as well, which is appropriate. and, uh, and oftentimes gets them uh, ridiculed, you know, or, mm. or at least, you know, kind of, uh, they, it's pointed to, you know, I'm thinking about the U S secretary of state, Hillary Clinton, who everybody would make comments about how she's wearing a pantsuit. And it's like, well, okay. You didn't, you didn't mention that this guy over here was wearing a, a blue tie and a white shirt and a gray suit. You know, Yeah. are you commenting on what she's wearing? And, and I feel like a lot of our leaders, you know, like think about Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Man. Yeah,
0: that's, what, uh, that's who I was thinking of.
1: Frank, right? You know, yeah. she had to, you know, she had to be very strong. It doesn't mean that she has to be physically strong or she has to be, right. man, um, yeah. But I think that that's definitely something that we think mm. about as like a, a value that we're looking for in our masculine leaders is that kind of mm. strength and that, that stability, that rock. And right. uh, I'd say honor. We're we're looking for, for somebody who does what they you know, right lets who stays actions, true
0: to their values.
1: Yeah, stays true mm-hmm. to their values, is authentically them, lets their actions speak as opposed to just you know, just talk talk is cheap. Yeah, um, a couple of others that I like to you know I like to lean on is I like I think that what we want whether it's in in our families. And Especially to think about Alec like, as as like a little kid, what you want mm. in your family for a leader, what we want in our communities and what we want globally is somebody who stands up for justice. Mm. And so, you know, if you're a little kid, you're know, like, it's not fair. You know, you've got a very different version, and I know you you know this from dealing with yeah. kindergarten, <laughs> you've got a very different <laughs> version of fairness, of justice. And justice to them is equality. Justice is mm. if I get you know, if, if he's got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, right. and it's like, yeah, it's a bit more nuanced than that. But you have this, you're, there's this innate uh, need for a recognition of justice. And, you know, as we get to different levels and we th- see these different things at the global scale, at the communal scale, you know, justice takes on many different forms, you um, but it doesn't mean that, that that childlike fire doesn't reside in all of us still of like, we need to do what is right. You know, mm-hmm. We need to do right by others. You know, if you see people that are starving on the street or you see uh, you know, 25 to 30% of the world that is in, that is in some sort of a migrant status you know, that has, has fled their homeland, you know, because of certain ecological conditions or, or, you know, violent conditions, political issues, economic issues. And you're like, ah, whatever. No, they're not getting their peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, you're getting mm-hmm. yours. They're not getting theirs. And you're going to look at that and you're going to go back to your that childlike position and be like, that's not fair. And right. So if we have leaders that are like, that's not fair, maybe we're not going to fix it, but at least we can call it out. We can name it then mm. I think that, that people are gonna be like, oh, that's a much more authentic person. That's truth. And just because you're not gonna solve all the world's problems, you know, we were talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all the problems earlier, just because you're yeah. not gonna solve all the world's problems doesn't mean that you can't have a voice for it, and at least mm. acknowledge, you know, when something isn't right. Right. And so that's a big thing when we're talking about justice.
0: Right. And, and I really, the first one that you mentioned when you mentioned strength, like it made me think a lot about the kind of leaders that I look up to. And so many of them, it's not about, like you said, it's not about strength, like physical strength. Although there are plenty of people up at the top levels of society that have a lot of strength that, that lead other people, but it's Mm -hmm. like strength of will. It's like fortitude. It's like, uh, you know believing in other people, believing in themselves. And, um, and it kind of made me think of like the, the kind of two sides of that, where it's like, there's a strength that's like this, this um, almost like tyrannical strength, where um, I think what people are calling out when they talk about things like toxic masculinity, which is a term that I really don't like, but, um, but I think can sometimes be appropriate, is when people have power and they have not only force of will uh, or physical strength, but like they, they take that power and they use it for themselves rather than for others. They use it to better themselves and to get, them, not just better themselves, but get more for themselves. Take a larger slice of the pie. And um, and the reason I hate the term toxic masculinity is because it's been weaponized against all men to to almost say that men uniquely are in some sense toxic, which I I think is completely um, misguided. Because the thing is, I, and this is coming back to like my kindergarten experience, my I always found that um, the other teachers, their favorite students, were always the cute girls who sat nicely and asked all the right questions and were really sweet and they hugged all their friends, they were really nice. Everyone always loved those kids. Because it's very easy to love them because they're just really great, super sweet, and very nice to teach. But my favorite students were always the little shitty boys right? That people warned me about when I joined the school, you know, like I, my first kindergarten job, I was warned about this boy and I'm, uh, I don't want to name him cause, um, he's, he was a student of mine, but let's call him Bob. And you know, it's, his name's not Bob because he was Japanese, but yeah. <laughs> let's call him Bob. So he, I was warned about him. I said, I was told he's really badly behaved. He always fights with other kids. He'll take things from other kids. So you really need to keep an eye out on him. And uh, his mom had also just had another baby. So he was like getting this whole, like, you know, I'm, I'm the first, I'm the big, I'm the big boy, I'm the, I'm the important one. And my little sister's getting all this attention. So yeah. um, he was difficult and I made a plan for him, which was that whenever he was poorly behaved or whenever he did things to hurt others, unless it was something, if it was something really big, then I'd stop on it. But if it was just something to get attention, like negative attention, I would ignore it completely. And then when he did positive things, I'd not only praise him, but I'd praise him publicly in front of the other kids too. So I'd be like, everyone, like, Sora ate all of his lunch today. He's going to be a big, strong boy. If you want to be like Sora, if you want to be strong, you want to be like, you know, and just little things like that. Right, big him up. And I feel like we don't do this enough as a society. We're always looking for, like, when, when people are badly behaved, when people do something wrong, we're like, that, that's toxic masculinity. That's what we're talking about. And we've got tons of movements and tons of, um, of, you know 93% of people in prison are male and all of that stuff to to show how we like to punish but we don't what we don't do is we don't see all of the little ways in which um you know people stand up for what's right people do what you're talking about like like that justice and i love the story of this boy because he was an absolute angel by the end of the year he was amazing and his mum wrote me a letter i've got it somewhere his mum wrote me a letter saying that her son she's seen like such a huge difference in his personality and his character and it's it, she thought it was in part because of uh, what i did in the school which was to encourage him and i think boys the little shitty boys are like that and i say shitty on purpose because it's like it it just makes you you know what i'm talking about is <laughs> yeah. the boys that are badly behaved they have but they have attitude they have character they have courage they'll do whatever it is because that they're like i'm gonna do this because this is what i'm gonna do and you can take those kids and you can put them down and you can tell them they're stupid or that they're badly behaved. And, and what will happen is they'll grow up thinking no one can reach me. Right. No one can help me.
1: It's a vicious cycle.
0: Right. It's horrible. Or you can find the times when they do well. And those kids, I think those kids are the ones who grow up to stand up against really bad people. I think those are the superheroes. When they grow up, they're going to be, they're going to be the people who stand up for the others in their community because they're brave enough to do so. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So I think those, those are the kind of, uh, boys that I've always, I've always wanted to stand up for boys like that. I've always wanted to help boys like that. And, uh, I'm really glad, like, but in this course, I feel like, um, I hope we get all the shitty boys and I hope we all get all the good, the good kids and we get all of the people who maybe haven't had people giving them encouragement because a big part of what we're doing here is giving you encouragement to be the kind of leader that you want to be because everyone is capable of being a leader on a small or a large scale.
1: Yeah. Your, your story reminds me, we had a, um, in, in our, my daughter's class a few years ago, there was a kind of let, let your parent come to work and help out the teacher type of a day. And it was about, oh, yeah. you know, a little bit after kindergarten, it was, it was early elementary. And it's, you know, it involved, you know, you show up in whatever you wear to, to work, and you talk a little bit about your job, and then you just help out the teacher the rest of the time. Well so similarly there there was that one shitty kid in the class <laughs> who had I think previously stabbed my daughter with a pencil once you know oh god his, the cut up you know he, he's you know he's feeling out his oats there's definitely some some toxicity there you just don't know what's going on you know for a, a young guy to be doing that right and and one of the things he has, he's just so wired and just, you know, that, that the teacher was having a tough time controlling him. And one of the things that they would do is they'd bring him out and kind of halfway through a class to just go in the gym by himself and just throw things and just kind of let out some of this, you know, this kind of extreme mm-hmm. boy energy that's going on there. And so we were walking. So I was, so I took him to go do that. i was part of the thing and this whole time you know i had been you know it's kind of like you're saying like i was not gonna be fearful you know i was not gonna be uh irate about his uh about his cutting up i wasn't gonna be um overreact to to that and give him that attention he wants but at the same time there's none of that negativity it was like all right you know hey look you stood up good for you type deal so we're walking to the gym for him to, you know, like go throw the ball and be all crazy. He said, so uh, why are you not dead yet? Like, how have you not been <laughs> dead yet? You know, and so you know, when somebody says that to you, know, it's like, okay, I'm a soldier. They don't all die. You know, this is this is a window into that, that sort of thing. It's like, no wonder this guy is getting a lot of negative feedback because he's probably never been taught. That's an inappropriate thing to say. Right, right. It comes into his mind. He was too old for that. Anyway, and so we're talking, so we're walking, and I kind of explain that, and you know, we're we're walking, and uh, you know, th- this guy had been, you know, staying up all night, no real family, no real stable family situation, you know, he has has three Mountain Dews a day, you know, he has one for breakfast and then two during the school day, you know, and it's like, well, you know, so we can start to build a picture about what's going on here, mm-hmm. and we can look as a society and be like, hey, maybe we got to help. Help show this guy how to push this in the right direction, and uh, you know, by the time we were done playing ball, you know, it was actually instead of him just throwing the ball like a crazy person, you know, we were just throwing it back and forth, and kind of by the end of the day, he was he was mellowed, yeah, like you said. So I mean, I I don't know that I had the long term impact that you did because I didn't have the long term time, but you can see that that just because. Boys act differently than girls, and men act differently than women. In most cases, Mm -hmm. doesn't make one good and one bad. And I'd say that when you're talking about toxic masculinity, um, that or kind of some of the origins of that come from you know come from some biological things that are that have been laid down for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I see as an ancillary benefit to the militaries of the world is it takes some of those young men primarily who have all this, who have this angst and this need and kind of all this you know, kind of stuff going on and it focuses that energy mm. into discipline and, uh, and duty And they've got all this energy to focus, you know, that that you just need to point in the right direction and give the boundaries for. Here's your discipline. There's your duty. Go get it. And they will be on it. And so what we see oftentimes is that after three, four years, the United States Marine Corps is the best on this. Their model is they Mm -hmm. take in young cut-ups, They drill discipline into them. And then three, four years later, the vast majority of them are back in society. But now they are a Marine for life is kind of their, their statement. And these are some of the best people that you would want in your community. You took somebody that was toxically masculine and you turned somebody into somebody that has discipline drive and a sense of duty to, to something higher than themselves. Somebody that's a servant leader, you know? And so, so that's an ancillary benefit from my perspective to the military, uh, is that it helps really focus and kind of blunt, head off some of that toxic leadership. Right. And so, It'd be interesting to see if there's been any studies about that in places where there's compulsory uh, military military service service. Mm. versus places that do not. And if they have higher instances uh, of that or a higher level of uh, servant leadership kind of attributes in some of their more aggressive populations. And and we keep saying male, female, male, you know, male, masculine, all these other things. That's not to say that there aren't, there aren't females, and I'm sure that, you know, like in your high school, I know in mine, you know, you you'll see these females that are just like just like the males. Right. But, you know, cutting up and being the shitty kid, you know, and doing all that stuff. And that's and that's perfectly fine as well. You know, they're not the little girl like you described from the like, kindergarten that's, that's smiling right. and hugging everybody and every you know, right. okay, bring the teacher stuff and like being like the, the sugar and spice and everything nice stereotype. That's okay. You mm-hmm. uh, find a way to be authentically you put in some boundaries, find a duty, find a reason and then go get it and go get after it. Mm. You know, so whether that's joining the peace corps or you joining the military, you know, that shouldn't, neither of those should be closed to a male or a female, both those options yeah. go serve and to, and to put a little bit of duty into all that drive should be, uh, should be available. Right.
0: Yeah. You don't have to be like some kind of stereotype in order to lead. You can, you can be whoever it is that you want to be. You can be whoever Whoever you naturally are, but you gotta you gotta put in the time, you gotta uh deal with your deal with your demons and deal with your your sort of insecurities about doing that. Cause I mean, I'm sure plenty of people, like you said, like the you've got the kids in the playground who just aren't like the other kids. And uh and some of those kids need to put in a lot of work. But in the end, everyone can do it. You just need to be honest with yourself about who you are, and then be brave enough to actually decide, okay, well. I can't pretend to be somebody I'm not. So I might as well just try it this way. And and there's a place for everyone. There's a place for everyone.
1: Yes, there is. Especially now. You know, like we talked mm. about what it was like 100 years ago. 100 years ago, yeah, there was, and more, you know, and kind of time immemorial. Most people were really put in boxes. And so mm. whatever you were born as, that's what your, you know, whatever your parents did, that's what you're going to do. And whatever gender you were born, that's how you must act in this way. And there's the clothes you're gonna wear and all these other things. And so yeah, I think now it's a much healthier way. It's easier to just be like, This is my box, I'm staying in my box. It's easier because you don't have to think about it. And you can just kind of put all that down. But we see the negative ramifications of that in people that aren't authentically themselves. Mm. And, you know, the list, you know, the list goes on and on. Now, yeah, you've gotta one, do the work. It's a lot of yeah. work. It's right. a lot of work to figure out who you are and then to accept that, right? Self-acceptance is, is the number one thing. And, it, and once you get to kind of those two levels, then you've got to really hone in on the not given a shit about what other people think about you being authentically you, because there can be plenty of people that do accept you. And, and most people, you know, everybody should accept you, but a lot of people are, are, are not there yet in their right. own self-acceptance journey. So, so, don't give a shit about what those people think and know who I am inside, accept that as, as okay. And then you can actually start going in the right direction. You can start thinking about what you're going to do with that. You know, whether that's, whether that's, you know, father, mother, CEO, soldier, teacher, you know, it doesn't matter how you define yourself as long as you're authentically being you in that, in that situation. And we're multifaceted. You know, you're not just a teacher. I'm not just a husband. You know like pick pick a thing, you know, mm. and and I think that as we work through this series, we're going to we're going to challenge people to to accept themselves as being a lot more than just one thing and not accept putting themselves in a box and let other people or let other people put them in Too man, too masculine, not masculine enough.
0: i'm looking forward to it too man thank you so much for for taking the time to do this podcast i'm really looking forward to signing this we're starting on october 17th which is ridiculously close it's like two weeks two and a bit weeks yeah Yeah. it's gonna be fun though it's gonna be so exciting
1: (laughs) yeah it's gonna be interesting wild ride this this uh this year has been an interesting Wrapping up the year with this, and it should be a a
0: fun time. Yeah, no better time to, to push than the present.